In these unprecedented times, we need effective immune support. That's why I'm excited to introduce two formulas that work, CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative. The only supplement that delivers the six most important ingredients to optimize your immune function, including PEA, a critical molecule for long-term immunity at the cellular level. CV Acute is a fast-acting, great-tasting syrup for direct immune activation. It eliminates invaders with a fruit flower and root of patented Chinese medicine. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all-natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com. TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, something that I very much look forward to all week because, well, we get an opportunity to get uh, very interesting questions from you. Send them to radioprogram at AOL.com, and uh, I get an opportunity to riff on them uh, with my good colleague, Layla Mutin, uh, with whom um, I work with uh, in our practice here in New York. Uh, so, uh, Layla Stanley is a registered dietitian and has a master's degree in the field of nutrition and is eminently qualified to answer your questions. So, double your pleasure, double your fun. Uh, <laughs> you've got both of us uh, to take your best shots at. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, Layla, uh, yeah. how are you doing? Okay, how are you doing? Good, good. Looking uh, forward to enjoying this warmer weather. It's warmer, and it, we had a day where it was, this is, March is a tease, typically. It really is. It, it, it brings us some really warm, balmy days with the promise of spring, and then it comes back and, you know, uh, hits us upside the head with temperatures in the freezing zone. Yeah. And with, you know, it's windy and After it's it was chilly. 81. After it was 81 the other day. In the sun. Everywhere. That day, I took a walk into the park, and uh, I snapped a picture of, there's a uh, a pond, you know, the Central Park Pond, you know, which is in the middle of the park. Yeah. And uh, I took a walk around there, and there's a rock there that sticks out of the water, and covering that rock were turtles that had come up to mm. bask in the warm sun. Mm. And, you know, they, they hibernate uh, yeah. in the mud yeah. during the winter. They came out, and they were all like, ah. Oh. And I was feeling like, ah, oh, I feel like a turtle. I Then, I, you know, I sat down on the bench. I took my shirt off. It was like, Ah, oh, sunlight on my bare skin. I haven't had that since. Wow. When, you know. oh, so nice. um, it was nice. And then, the, lo and behold, then it was like, you know, 45 degrees. Um, but it, sure enough, uh, the blossoms are blossoming. Yes. And uh, apropos of that, people are having more allergy symptoms. Yes. So I, I just upped my quercetin. Oh. In response as a, to as that. As a blocker. Yes. yes. Good allergy blocker. Mm-hmm. And also a good time of year to eat more carefully because, yeah. you know, if you're having, you know, a lot of uh, things you're allergic to, you know, a lot of cheese and, you know, ice cream Small and things congestion. like that, it creates more mucus. Maybe yeah. this is a time of year to eat more cleanly if you suffer from spring allergies. Sure. Um, but anyway, the, the, um, there's an interesting article here 
And it really shows how pervasive allergies can be. Mm. The question that this article poses, it's in the Journal of Urology. Now, what is urology? Wait, that's the other, that's the other end of the body. It's yeah. Like, it's, not, it's like what, your nose to your, you know. Uh, it's all one body, Dr. Hoffman. It's all, yeah. There's no, there's no, you know, Berlin Wall, no, uh, you know, right. Maginot line that separates one part of the body from the other. So, okay. The question they pose, does pollen trigger urologic chronic pelvic pain syndrome flares? Hmm. Now, there's some people who have chronic pelvic pain, and it's no joke. It's a very devastating condition. Uh, happens in both men and women, although mm -hmm. more commonly in women. But it can happen in men. And pelvic pain, you know, part of the spectrum of pel pelvic pain is prostatitis. Yes. Or what is called right. prostatic privacy. But it, it, pelvic uh, congestion, pelvic uh, inflammation, mm -hmm. uh, causing muscle spasm and, you know, nerve impulses. It's just a really nerve-laden part of the body. Yeah. So it's, a, it's pretty uncomfortable. Um so they posed the question, they did a study, then uh, what they concluded is that um, positive associations were observed for pollen count rises past medium or higher thresholds in participants with allergies or respiratory tract disorders. Okay, so in other words, you, okay. out of the blue, if you don't have allergies, you're probably not going to have your pelvic pain worsen. But if you have allergies... Your pelvic pain could worsen. Sure. What's your theory on that? What, what do you think is going I, on? I think so. I liken it to, I think of, I can think of several of our patients with inflammatory bowel disease, whether it's Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Mm -hmm. Often they tend to have a little bit of a flare, maybe not full blown. With the season change. When the season changes. Yes. And they're reacting to the pollen right. in the air and the grass that's coming out yep. in June yep. and the trees in April and so forth. Yeah, I like think... I but think I, I get a little achier with season change. I was doing really, I, know, I kind of stormed through the summer and then uh, fall a little tentative, but, uh, you know, kept going. Winter, no problem. Spring, little achy, little stiff, a yeah. little more, you know, maybe there's something to that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's actually the, the conditions are nicer. It's not as icy and freezing, right. uh, but... Um, <laughs> You know, still there's a bit of an adaptation. It may have something to do with, with allergies. So yeah. not just pelvic pain, but maybe joint pain, maybe brain fog, maybe, you know, yeah. any manifestation of inflammation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Skin rashes can come up, you know. Itching, or, yeah. or there wasn't itching before. Changes in digestion, mm -hmm. even. Changes in mood, I think, even so. Because uh, any of those reactions will also, is also reacting with the microbiome. Oh, yeah, right? there you go, too. Mm -hmm. So we have to take that into consideration. Yep. Since we're finding out more and more that microbiome rules. Microbiome de definitely does yeah. rule. Yeah. bunch of stories about uh, microbiome in the news that I'll be sharing with our listeners uh, this weekend. Uh, but uh, definitely, uh, we talked to Dr. Leo Galland uh, yesterday on the podcast, mm -hmm. and he has a whole section on how the microbiome, A, predisposes to COVID if it's an imbalanced microbiome. Yeah. And B, it there may be an explanation for long COVID because the alterations that occur in the microbiome are long-lasting after COVID. And the virus persists in the stool. It may not be infectious, but it may also lead to chronic uh, imbalances of bacteria in the uh, microbiome, which may be a clue to getting some of these patients better. We're going to start seeing more and more of these people coming in who have, you know, long hauler syndrome, yeah. Yeah. long COVID. Um <clears throat> Their microbiomes may be messed up, right? And not the least of which is, you know, the ones who are very sick receive powerful drugs. True. Yep. 
So anyway, let's get yeah. to questions. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination for questions. Just uh, email us your questions and we'll consider them on a future edition of Q&A with Layla. We actually have a, a response, a rebuttal, oh, if okay. you will, from okay. last week's okay. uh, question that we had. This is from Marianne. Dear Dr. Hoffman, I was very upset to hear that mean email from a listener who mocked you and your <laughs> newsletter article. And it was your, your you know, which vaccination should I take article, right? right? This, is, yeah. this is not intelligent medicine. This is dumb yeah. medicine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Marianne says, I'm a long-time listener. Yes, there are different vaccines available in different places, so people do have a choice. I put a link below for you to the state of New Jersey vaccine website. As you scroll, you will see many different locations where people can register. Some require people to be over 18. Some require people to be over 16. This is how you can tell if it's Moderna or Pfizer since they have different requirements and people can register for the vaccine they prefer. I love you and want to defend you. (laughs) Thank you for being protective. Yeah. But, you know, I think it is, uh, this listener is correct, is that it is now materializing that people have a little more leeway. I mean, in many cases, it's no. It's like roll up your sleeve, you take what you can get. Right. Uh, But now people have multiple options. Of course, well, I can go to this site and they're offering Pfizer. I can go to that site and it's Johnson & Johnson or this is Moderna. Uh, There'll be a fourth one, AstraZeneca, that'll be eventually approved. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're we're handicapping each of these vaccines and looking for uh, whether one or another emerges with more side effects uh, so far, you know, it's kind of even Steven. There were some, there was some doubt cast about the AstraZeneca in Europe, but it yes. doesn't appear to be that big a problem. Yes, there are side effects. There are side effects with everything. Rarely, you know, um, right. you know, a few cases per hundred thousand. If you're the unlucky person who's had it, it's like a hundred percent. But mm-hmm. um, the uh, other thing that we're looking at is whether these uh, vaccines will track with the variants. And some preliminary news is that the Pfizer vaccine, which is actually probably the easiest vaccine to get these days in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, seems to be pretty good at protecting against this uh, dread Brazilian variant, huh. you know, okay. uh, which is the one that is... Uh, causing so much havoc in, in Brazil wow. uh, because people seem to be re-catching COVID. Yeah. The ones who had it before, they may, they're not immune to COVID again. So hence, it's drifted significantly enough from the original virus to mm-hmm. uh, evade the immune surveillance. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, we'll have to see. As I, I stand by what is in the article, we still don't know which of the vaccines is preferable. Yeah. Uh, probably having any vaccine is preferable to having no vaccine in terms of protection. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a very nice podcast uh, yesterday with uh, Dr. Galland about, also we took up the question of the vaccines. And, you know, he's a very bright guy. He's very much into integrative and holistic medicine. Yes. He'd be the first to point out that we should just use natural things and forget the vaccine. But, you know, he's well aware of all the natural measures we can take, but he's yes. also an all of the above guy, you know, right. uh, all hands on deck. Yes, the vaccine can be helpful. Okay. But he did emphasize something. And here, here's the point yeah. of agreement is that vaccines are not the panacea, is that we need an all-of-the-above approach using diet, nutrition, certain natural supplements, uh, you know, innovative medications to treat COVID. 
uh, along with the vaccine. And then, you know, the measures of social distancing, masking to the extent that it's um, necessary in closed settings and, you know, maybe some restrictions on uh, large gatherings. Right. Uh, still, because uh, the head of the CDC, uh, I think her name is Walensky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, uh, you know, yes. she gave a very strange kind of presentation yesterday because she said... She went off script, right? She went off script and, you know, she got teary and she used the term impending doom. And, you know, I have to say that I think uh, she could have expressed her concern uh, in a way that's a little less stoking fear and panic. Yes, uh, a little less because uh, you are this a little less histrionically maybe. Yeah, you are the center for di- centers for disease exactly. control, but you are not the centers for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to balance those imperatives, mm-hmm. and a public health official, I think, should not go there. In my yeah. opinion. Uh, especially when, yeah, I mean, that is one scenario is that impending doom. But for a lot of people, impending doom means like, you know, the, the Stephen King's novel, The Stand, you know, yeah. where the, <laughs> the population is wiped out and, you know, we descend into anarchy. And that's, no, that's not, that's impending doom. Yes. This is not impending. It, it could, yes, there could be a fourth wave. Look, more people are unlocking down. We, it's psychologically and economically. And logistically, we have to. We have to. And Otherwise, more people are going to die. Yeah. And it, people need to start talking about that yeah, more yeah, and more, yeah. including our public health officials. Yeah. That's the impending doom I'm worried about. Yeah. I mean, the fallout. It's like pick your doom, you know. So anyway, I, I don't want to get too... Yeah, this is a hot button issue. People are very political about this. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's on the one hand, you know, you have the conservatives espousing a more open approach and you have... Uh, you know, people who are uh, liberals saying, you know, precautionary principle or worse or more lockdowns. And, you know, it shouldn't be, it should be just, let's look impartially at the big picture here. Yeah. But let's not proceed from a place of engendering fear is all I'm saying. (laughs) Yes. Agree. Yeah. Agree. So, uh, (laughs) okay. That took us a long way. I wonder how many spots on the mainstream media she'll get called to, you know, she'll be requested to, uh, you know, if she could talk more about impending doom, they'd love to have her. So it's like, <laughs> you can come on this program, but only can you elaborate on impending doom? Please elaborate on impending doom. <laughs> what does impending doom look like? <laughs> is it like fire and brimstone? Is it like a devil with a pitchfork? Right. Is it, like, is the, or <laughs> is it the end of days? Is it, <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, this is very interesting, this one. This comes from um, Angela. Dr. Hoffman and Ms. Layla, I've been a fan fan of your show for many years. Thank you for your consideration of my inquiry. Any info or support is is appreciated. Yeah, this is very interesting, Dr. Hoffman. Hmm. My 21-year-old daughter was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis at 17 months old. That is very unusual. Yeah. A a A toddler with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, JRA. Yeah. She was then diagnosed with accompanying uveitis at age five. So very autoimmune, very inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was on multiple immunosuppressants, chemotherapies, mm-hmm. as well as anti-inflammatories, all of that to quell the fire in the retina due to the uveitis. Her joints went into remission by age five with sporadic flare-ups. However, 
Since the age of 12, and she's 21 now, since 12, she's been on a cyclovir, 50 milligrams four times a day. Antiviral medication. Yes. Mm-hmm. A new doctor noticed the herpes lesions in and around her mouth and prescribed the acyclovir. The results... Wait, is was, she on immunosuppressive medication? Yeah. That's going to make her more prone to viral infections. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The result was phenomenal. The active uveitis subsided mm-hmm. with some old cells present. Mm. And as long as my daughter stayed on the acyclovir, the herpetic uveitis yeah. seemed to stay yeah. in remission. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, my daughter's blood work came back twelve at 12 years old with a viral load of 40% above normal. So... What supplements would you recommend for my daughter? She gets sick, cold, sore throat. I've almost never heard of a case like this. But, that, you know, is, that is so Okay, something. so let's comment on that. Is We all have viruses in our body. Yep. We, we, we have, have a virome. Virome. And, and in fact, if, if I may just pre, yep. pre sure. before you get into that, yep. we would not be here. Mammalian life would not exist mm-hmm. without viruses okay go right thank you but it's like the microbiome (laughs) yeah uh and there's also a mycobiome which is the fungi that are part of our natural mycoplasma myco okay just myco no no, myco means fungus and so like fungal species that are commensals that are part of our normal flora yeah in our gi tracts on our skin on our bodies you know in our genitals you know all that stuff yeah okay so uh these some most of us reach kind of an accommodation with the viruses, but in some cases, due to some immune glitch, these and many of us have herpes type one. That's cold sores, you know, mm-hmm. almost oh, universal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same with mononucleosis caused by Epstein Barr. Most yes. of us have been exposed to it. It's That's the rare person who's virus. not been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. These are permanent, as yeah. and as as opposed to the influenza virus, which goes away. It, yeah. it comes, and your immune system takes care of it. Goes away. Same thing with colds, right. rhinoviruses, right. and coronaviruses. Right. But these viruses hang out; they lie they dormant. Out. They lie dormant. So there's something about peculiar about this child's immune system that, yeah. I, I mean, the supposition is that maybe a virus triggered a, a very profound autoimmune reaction. In her case, that's why the acyclovir is mm-hmm. so helpful because mm-hmm. uh, it suppresses the virus that triggers her autoimmunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what vitamins to take? This is a complicated case. I yeah. don't know. Because she's 21 now and in nursing school, oh, very right. demanding schedule. I, this is a kind of, look, this yeah. is the kind of person who I would love to do a very comprehensive genetic testing on. Yeah. Because it would reveal, I think, some faults in her um, anti-inflammatory protection, you know, maybe some glutathione issues, maybe some issues with... Um, Detox. Detoxification, but also some issues with a hyper-inflammatory response yeah. um, and you know any number of things. One thing we do know is in research on multiple sclerosis, we think that certain viruses may cause and trigger the brain to go haywire. Yeah. But there are many viruses that, they may be the self-same viruses that don't cause that in some people. So why is it? Is it a combination of things? Is it, is it viruses plus mercury plus chemical toxicity plus stress mm-hmm. plus smog plus whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, plus a genetic susceptibility and then you get MS. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of vitamin D, for example, or, right. you know, certain nutrients that are protective, uh, right, right. glutathione precursors, you know, mm-hmm. any number of things. The microbiome, the you microbiome. know, we'd study that in a person like this. So to say, you know, what can she take? 
Well, I don't know. That you means know, a, a, I mean, there's a some really basic comprehensive. Workout. I mean, the basic things is you know, take some zinc, take some vitamin D, things that support the immune system. Okay, sure. fine. You know, and vitamin C. Yeah. But that's kind of a cursory thing. That's something right. that um, make sure you, you know a a, uh, a health coach could do. Mm-hmm. You know, would any recommend any recommendations? No, not on health diet. coaches, but you know, right. the tools that are available to some health coaches are are more limited than. Oh, you know, sure. very comprehensive blood uh, analysis, and you know right. they, they'd have to get a well, doctor. Well, health or, coach isn't going to have the training of of other generally not practitioners. Generally not, but but you know a yeah. health coach, it's kind of the eighty twenty principle. You know, for a case like this, you know, simple recommendations could be eighty percent of the deal. Sure, you know, just Absolutely. take a comprehensive, good multi and C and D and right. fish oil and you know right. probiotics, and you get a lot of bang for your buck with that. Yeah, uh, but there may be some. Very specific uh, mm-hmm. glitches in this person's immune system. It's mm-hmm. great that she's functional and she's working in the nursing profession. And it's like great. Right. Uh, recommendations for diet would be gluten and casein-free, nightshade-free. Paleo, uh, paleo autoimmune. Minimum. Yeah, yeah auto- minimal. AIP, autoimmune A- paleo. Autoimmune paleo. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, yes. So there, I mean, yeah. you know, that's kind of like on an 80-20 principle. The additional 20% mm-hmm. uh, may require, you know, 80% of the workup. An expense mm-hmm. to reveal, but um, it there might be refined by a more right. targeted and precise uh, evaluation. Right. Thank you, Angela, and best of luck to your daughter. Wow. This comes from Dusty. I haven't heard the name Dusty in a long time. That's uh, my relative, Dusty Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Um, and... She says, from your website, Dr. Hoffman employs olive leaf extract for most bacterial, viral, parasitic, and fungal conditions. Mm-hmm. Dosage, when sick or something like sinusitis, take two, three times a day with meals. For hypertension, take two a day with meals. Mm-hmm. Now, Dusty says, I've ordered somebody else's olive leaf, and they say to take it on an empty stomach. Oh. What say you, and which one of you is right? I would take that on a full stomach. Yeah. Taking olive leaf is it's pretty, pretty strong. strong. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty strong. Yeah. You need food. And I think also, to take you know, that. Uh, in the properties of it, it is mostly these nutrients that you're looking for are fat soluble. Right. And they might be better absorbed with food. Yeah. So, you know, when you see something that says, must take it at the certain, sometimes you have to question that, that, that it's mm-hmm. their best guess as to how to take it. Right. Right. So olive leaf is good for that. It's good for immunity that way. I remember you used to give us that as part of the cold pack. Yes. That you would give all of your employees it, back it, in the day. Well, we, the cold pack. Right. That would we, have olive leaf in it. Yeah, this is like, you know, 15 years ago, 20 right. years ago. We would, you know, cold season, we didn't want a lot of absenteeism. We didn't want anybody to there come in go. and get everybody. So we, we thought it was cost effective to just uh-huh. give all the employees not a vaccine, yeah. but a protective program. And we said, you, we're going to give it to you, but you must take it. You yeah. know, it's like, and they, and people yeah. were grateful and they didn't yeah. take it. And then we had less uh, absenteeism and we had less, uh, you know, yeah. things going around. Dusty is asking, how does it help with high blood pressure? Oh, uh, it has a vascular effect. It has a vascular effect. It also is good for uh, stabilizing blood sugar to some extent. Okay. Not like taking berberine or chromium, I don't, I don't think, mm-hmm. however, but it can be helpful. And it's great for acne. Yeah, it's, it's also great for acne. Yeah, it, it, <clears throat> now you may say, well, could it be like an antibiotic? Will it wipe out all the good bacteria? It seems to be gently microcidal, you know, yes. and not, you know, like a clean cut 
forest right, kill, right. you know, where like in lumbering. Take out the bad guys. Yeah, it, it, it suppresses the growth of certain harmful bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the, there's a particular polyphenol there called hydroxytyrosol, which seems to be particularly good for the circulatory system. It seems to protect the endothelium, which mm. is the lining, and that seems to have a good effect on blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really thought to be one of the major <coughs> heart healthy constituents of the Mediterranean diet. You know, what's so great about the Mediterranean diet? Well, pick it apart. There's so many components to it, which is the main factor. It's probably all of the above, but the olive oil is an important constituent of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, Dusty, thank you for that question. We have one from Laura. Laura's from Louisiana. Okay. I just found your page through an article I'm reading about elevated C-reactive protein. I do have a question. What is the best type of magnesium to take? What and what is the best type of vitamin C? Well, it turns out that some studies that magnesium itself lowers C-reactive protein, but the answer to that question depends. Uh, you know, for general purposes, I would take a chelated magnesium. Yeah. Not a magnesium chloride or a magnesium um, mm-hmm. uh, citrate, right. which is more beneficial for constipation because yes. it runs out of you but doesn't get that well absorbed. So there's mm-hmm. magnesium glycinate. There's, um, you know, there's magnesium threonate. More threonate is more for brain. You know, want to have yeah. a sedating effect or mm-hmm. an anti-anxiety effect. <clears throat> glycinate. There's magnesium malate. Ma- magnesium torate, good for the Which heart more and for blood vessels. more for cardiovascular purposes. Yeah. Right. And CRP can have to do with that if it's HS, mm-hmm. high sensitivity The CRP. disadvantage to torate is you have to take a fair number to get the requisite amount of magnesium because the torate piece is a little heavy. Hmm. So that uh, mm-hmm. it tends to make those the, mag- the elemental magnesium and magnesium mm-hmm. torate a little bit lower. What dosage do you typically suggest for magnesium and also for calcium? For an adult with a diet mostly void of either, who either uses supplements I, I would for say 200 wellness. to 400 milligrams of elemental magnesium. Elemental va- yeah. magnesium, yes. And, may, and for calcium, Laura's also asking about calcium. Well, you don't want to take too much calcium more than what's beyond a multi without some supervision. And especially where it regards bone health, but you also want to make sure you're getting enough vitamin K, which is now upwards of 180 micrograms a day, not just the 90 not just maybe even 300, but maybe even more we're finding out, which is fascinating. So, yeah, elevated HSCRP level, look for everything else in the diet that's causing right. it's not inflammation. A, it's not a one-note deal. It's like, you know, optimize exactly. your weight, uh, you know, uh, find out if there's any sources of infection. Right. Periodontal disease contributes to it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, even some studies show multivitamins, fish oil. Yeah. Um, so. Right. Right. Okay, Laura. Thank you. All right. We have a question. Let's let's save that yeah. for part two, okay? Because we're uh, waxing a little long for part one. Mm-hmm. So give us a review of what we're going to talk about in part two. I have very very stubborn cholesterol levels that just won't come down. What do you what do you say about Repatha? Okay, very interesting, very interesting question. Um, that's a super powerful cholesterol lowering injectable medication. Yeah, I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman today with Layla Mutin, who is our nutritionist in residence. Uh, we call it Q and A with Layla.
because that's what it is. <laughs> and we'll be back with more <laughs> in part two. Stay with us. <laughs>